0: Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word.
1: Hey, take out your Bibles, turn over to the book of Acts chapter 10, the book of Acts chapter 10. And we're going to be concluding our series this morning on Resurrection Living. We're over in Acts chapter 10. Well, I've told y'all before, uh, when I graduated from college, a friend of mine and I, we took a, a trip over to Europe and we just bought a Euro Pass. We traveled around for three weeks, just went several different places, had a real good time, and we met a lot of different people and a whole lot of Americans who would just come up and start talking to us because they heard us speaking American. Now, American's different than English, by the way, and so even in England would have Americans come up and go, okay, you're an American. One time, a couple just came up and sat down at our table and said, can we eat with you? We noticed you were Americans, and we said, well, yeah, I guess so, sure. But there was two guys we met at a train station in Belgium, and they came up and they said, Hey, can we sit with you? We, we, we heard you talking American then. We said, Sure, come on, have have a seat. And so we spent like two hours with them in the train station while we were both waiting for trains. Uh, got to know them, everything. They took off one way, we took off another way. A week later, we're in a train station in Geneva, and we hear two people yelling at us. They run all the way across the train station. They're about to leave for Czechoslovakia, believe it or not, but they wanted to see us and talk to us and everything. A week later, we're about to fly out in the airport uh, in in Paris, and we see these two guys just happen to pass the same two guys. And we heard them talking American, and so we went over, and you know, we said, Hey, guys, what are you doing? And we couldn't believe that three times in a trip like that... We'd seen the same people, and what had bonded us together was that we were all from the same country. Now, wouldn't it be nice if any place you went and any room you went in, every single person in the room made you feel like you had that same identity? That there was something about them that drew you together and made you a part of them? Not just people from the same country you're from. Not just people that speak the same language that you speak. But every single person you would ever encounter on the face of this entire planet would be someone that you held something very special with and that they would draw you together with them. Well, we're going to look over in Acts chapter 10 and see how that's true today. And we're going to talk about what it means that God has given us a brand new family in Christ. Now, over in Acts chapter 10... Uh, As we get started, there's some things you need to know, some background. There's a Roman centurion, and a centurion was a Roman officer over 100 soldiers. There was a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius. He was in Caesarea, which was kind of the Roman capital of that part of Israel. So he's he's with the governor and the main people there at that particular point. So obviously a very important person. Not only that, he was a pure-blood Roman. We know that because in verse 1 we're told he was from the Italian Regiment. Uh, so this is a very important guy, uh, that's there and he'd become a believer in the God of Israel. And one day when he was praying, uh, an angel appeared to him and guess what happened when the angel appeared to him. Anybody know what happens when angels appear? It, it, he was afraid. It scared him to death when the angel appeared. We often think of these little plump cherubs floating around with harps or something. But every time in the Bible when the angel shows up, it scares the people to death. Okay, you know They, they get really afraid. So Cornelius, this mighty soldier, is afraid when the, when the angel shows up. So the angel tells him, well, don't be afraid, which the angels always do. And then he tells him, okay, God's heard your prayer. Send to Joppa. And then last week, just like uh, with uh, uh, Ananias, he gives him the street address. Go to Joppa. There by the the ocean, there's going to be a guy named Simon the Tanner. There's somebody named Peter in his house. Go get Peter, and he'll tell you what you were supposed to do. And then the angel disappears. And so Cornelius thinks, okay, this is pretty important. So he calls his most loyal soldiers to him and says, go to Joppa, find this guy Peter, and bring him back to me. And so the soldiers take off to find Peter. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 9. And the first thing we see is this. We mistakenly divide the world into clean and unclean people. We mistakenly divide the world into clean and unclean people. Look at verse 9 of chapter 10. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the rooftop to pray. Now, most of the, uh, the houses in this particular part of Israel had flat roofs. It was very hot inside the house. You're in a hot Human Mediterranean climate on the, on the ocean. And so going up on the roof gave you a breeze. It got you away from people. It was a good place to meditate. So that's where Peter goes. It was around lunchtime and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Anybody here ever been praying at night and fell asleep? You could be a disciple. Okay, that, that's all we're saying right here. So Peter, Peter falls into this trance. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Don't call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. So here's Peter. Uh, he's falling into this trance while he's praying on the rooftop, hungry, waiting for lunch. So you've got this really hungry guy, and he has this vision of all of these different animals. And he's told, hey, get up and get something to eat. So it's like he, he, he sees, you know, all of a sudden bacon and sausage and steak and all this stuff starts appearing, you know, uh, lobster. And he said, hey, man, you know, start eating. And Peter says, I can't eat any of those things because they're unclean. Now, the Jews had very strict dietary laws, and they weren't made to, to uh, keep you from eating food. The purpose of the dietary laws were either that, that uh, the animal and the things the animal was involved with could, could spread diseases that would make you sick. It was hard to uh, keep without spoiling. And so there were reasons that certain things were considered unclean. Uh, And so he's told, I can't eat any of these things. They're unclean according to Jewish law. And then, then the angel says to him, Peter, if God says something is clean, don't you call it unclean. And then this happens three times. Hey, eat the food. Peter, I can't eat it. It's not clean. The vision says, if God says it's clean, then go ahead and eat it. So three times that happens. Now, to understand at this point... Peter was basically dividing the world up into two groups of people. Last week we talked about dividing the world up into good and bad people. Well, today we're dividing up the world into clean and unclean people. That's how Peter saw the world. Now, what made a person clean or unclean? It's kind of like are you kosher or non-kosher is exactly what you're talking about. The Jewish law had 74 regulations just in the book of Leviticus where things were said to be clean or unclean, 74 different things. And so there was this idea that if you were a non-Jew, a Gentile, and and Gentiles are described in the Bible with words like unclean, uh, non-kosher, uncircumcised, heathens, dogs. Those were the unclean people. You couldn't even enter a Gentile's house. Why couldn't you enter a Gentile's house? Because maybe the way they prepared their food made the house unclean. The food they were eating might make the house unclean. The clothes they were wearing might make the house unclean. Things they had done might make them unclean. And you didn't know what you might touch in their house that would make you unclean. Anybody remember the story of the Good Samaritan where the the, the priest and the Levite see the, the guy on the side of the road and pass by to the other side? Do you know why they do that? Were they just unfeeling people that didn't care about the guy that was hurt over there? No, if the guy was dead and they went to check him out and found out he was dead, the dead body had made them ceremonially unclean and they couldn't fulfill their duties when they got to the temple. And so they were just protecting themselves from becoming unclean. And so all these things separated clean people from unclean people. And so that's how Peter viewed the world. There's clean people, people who follow the laws and the dietary customs of the Jews, and people who did not. Now, that says a lot, but the point of all of this is that we still divide the world into the same thing. We divide the world into clean people and unclean people. And, and clean people are people like us, people that we like, people that, that agree with us or something like that. It's not just good and bad like we talked about last week, whether they're a good person or they're a bad person. Uh, it, it's different. We still divide the world in between clean and unclean. What are some of the ways we do that? We divide the world between clean and unclean by just the, the side of town you may live in. Uh, think about Louisville. We divide people up in Louisville everywhere. If you live in the West End, you're in the hood. If you live in the South End, you're a redneck. If you live in the East End, you're middle class. If you live in the North End, you're rich, you know, something like that. And that's how we divide the city up. And so all you got to do is say, where you live? Hey, I, I live in the South End of Louisville. Oh, man, there's a redneck right there. You know, I, I, see that. I can say that because I grew up in the South End of, of Louisville, as you all know that. So, you know, but that's how we just divide up the city. And so there's suddenly there's clean and unclean people. We divide people up by the color of their skin. If your skin pigmentation is lighter or darker than somebody else's, we say, well, somehow you're better or worse or clean or unclean. We divide people up by the kind of clothes that they wear. I just look at you and I look at your clothes and I say, man, that's not the latest fashion. Or as Dawn said to me all winter, Chip, that's a summer shirt. And I said, no, it's just a shirt. There's no such thing as summer shirts and non-summer shirts. You know, I don't know what you're talking about here. You know. uh, but, but you know, we divide the world up by, by those kinds of things. We divide the world up by how much education you have, the way you talk, the accent that you have. We divide the world up into all different kinds of things, even the sports teams you follow. Anybody see the story this week? The guy was in Texas and walked into a bar wearing an Oklahoma shirt and ordered a drink, and immediately people jumped on him and started beating on him because he had, he had the nerve to wear an Oklahoma shirt into Texas, you know, which is something you just don't do because suddenly he was unclean when he walked into their bar. There was a story out of India this week that was really interesting. Uh, An an upper class man was marrying uh, a lower class woman from the caste system there. And uh, they, they both had good educations and met in college. But his father had to hire armed security to keep outside where they were being married because they were afraid people would attack the place where they were being married because you had an upper class marrying a lower class. And so we divide the world up still today into clean people and unclean people. And that's what Peter was doing. And that brings us to the second thing that we see in our scripture passage. God does not play favorites, but offers his love and grace to everyone. God does not play favorites, but offers his love and grace to everyone. So the Roman soldiers show up. They tell Peter, hey, we've come to get you and to take you to Cornelius. So Peter goes along with them. Uh, When he arrives, he's a little surprised. He walks in, and it's not just Cornelius. If if an angel appeared to you and said, hey, go get somebody named Peter, and he's going to tell you what you should do, would you be waiting in a room by yourself? Guess what Cornelius did? He invited everybody he knew and everybody he liked. His whole family was there, his wife, all of his kids, all of his friends, everybody's in the room when Peter walks in. So Peter walks in, he's a little taken back and and not sure what to do here when he sees this crowd of people waiting for him. And that brings us down to verse 27. Verse 27 of our scripture passage. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or even visit a Gentile. So Peter walks in, and the first thing he says is, you know, I wasn't supposed to be in this house to begin with. You know, uh, I could be unclean just by walking into this house. But then he says this, but God has shown me that I shouldn't call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objections. Now, why have you sent for me? So Peter goes in. And he says, okay, I had this vision about clean and unclean animals. I'm not dumb. I'm beginning to figure out that that's how God feels about people, that there's no such thing as clean people or unpure people, that that's the way that the world might look at things. It's not the way God is looking at things. So we look at the world and we say, okay, you're not like me. You're different than me, uh, and therefore you're, you're unclean. But that's not how God sees the world. As we talked last week, how God sees the world is that every person on this planet is a special child created in his image that he loves and that Jesus died for. That's not just people you like or people who are like you. It's every single person upon this planet in every single country upon this planet. This world is not an accident. You are not an accident. You were specially created. You are created in the very image of God himself. Jesus loves you and died on the cross to save you from your sins. That's how God views every person. So think about this for a second. If that's how God views every person, they're my child that I created. How do you think God feels when we start dividing people into groups? I don't like you because of the kind of clothes you wear. I don't like you because your skin color is different than my skin color. I don't like you because you live in the wrong side of town. And so suddenly we've divided the world up and God is looking at us and he's saying, what are you doing? Now, I don't know about you, but what hurts me the most and what angers me the most is when people uh, do something to my kids. If people are mean to my kids, it'll get my, my ire up more than anything else in the world. You can be mean to me all day long, you know, and I might not like it, but I generally take it because I'm a bit of a wimp, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But, man, you, you be mean to my kids, I don't like anybody being mean to my kids. Well, if every person on this planet is a child of God that Jesus loved and died for, how do you think God feels when we misuse and abuse and are prejudiced and hate other people because we consider his children unclean? How do you think God feels about that? Because we're his precious children, every single one of us. So God is not playing any favorites. So Peter says, okay, I'm here. Why did you send for me? And Cornelius said, why did I send for you? I don't know. I sent for you because an angel appeared, scared the daylights out of me, and said, go get Peter. And so that's what I did. And then the light bulb goes off in Peter's head. Verse 34. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is God doesn't show favoritism. We show favoritism. Think about your life. Where are you right now that you consider people clean or unclean? What is it that you're dividing people up into right now? But God shows no favorites. People are looking at the outside and the exterior. We're told God is looking at the heart. Look down to verse 35. God accepts from every nation the one who fears him and knows what is right. And then Peter goes on and starts telling him about Jesus. So God doesn't show any favorites. We're all his children. He loves all of us. So think again, how am I dividing people up in your own life right now? And everybody does it. How are you dividing people up in your life between clean and unclean? And where do you need to say, hey, every person I'm doing that to? is a child of God creating his image that God loves and that Jesus died for. But we do it even when we don't want to do it. The other day uh, at, on Wednesday night, I, w- I was going home and, and uh, our soon-to-be daughter-in-law Tiffany was getting off work and hadn't had any uh, supper yet, so I stopped at Moe's to get her something to eat. And when I walked into Moe's, I'm looking at the sign and I look up and the guy in front of me in line was a big guy he was wearing a tank top, and he had big daggers tattooed on his face. And so I kind of take a step back, say, "I'll give this guy a little bit of room here." And then I immediately felt bad for doing that. And I'm thinking, "Chip, everybody's a precious child, created in God's image." So I looked at him. and I said, "Hey, how are you?" Now I said it it's a little bit tough, Chip. You know, when I, "Hey, how are you, man?"
2: Yeah.
1: So he kind of looks back at me and he goes, well, then he orders like seven meals. And I'm going, oh, gosh, Daggerface is ordering all kinds of meals here. You know, what? You know, I'm never going to get my one little meal here. And so they're putting all this stuff into bags, you know, and all these bags are filling up. And then the guy looks at me and he says, do you just have the one little bowl? And I go, yeah, I just have one little bowl. Give it to him, though. He'll never even notice he's paying for it. And then he turns around and looks at me like. <laughs> and he looks at me, and he says, Yeah, he said, That's fine, man. He said, I'll pay for it if you want, I won't notice. And I started laughing. He said, Oh, I'm just kidding. And then he looks at me, and you know what he said? He said, Yeah, I'm really blessed. You know why I'm blessed? And I said, Why is that? And he said, I'm blessed because my wife's just getting off work and uh, and it's been a long day. I've got my kids doing their homework. But I'm blessed because my kids will eat vegetables. Most kids won't eat vegetables. Man. My kids eat lettuce and tomatoes. And, and so I can come and get a really healthy burrito bowl here and take it home to them. And my kids will just love it. And he said, most people's kids, they, they just want chicken nuggets or something. He said, so I tell you, God has blessed me. And I looked at him. I said, well, that's really neat. And then he said, you sure you don't want me to pay for yours? And I said, yeah, sure. And he reached his hand out shakes my hand. And he said, well, you have a great day. And I said, you too. And he walks off, and I thought, why did any of those thoughts come into my mind? Why did any of those things happen? Why didn't I just see somebody created in God's image? And even though my mind was trying to mentally say that's what I should think, it wasn't the first reaction I had. My first reaction was to step back when I saw him. And and there was a man, man, a, a really neat guy that I got to meet that day. So we divide the world up into clean and unclean. God doesn't show favoritism, though, but offers his love and grace to everybody. And that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture. Our common salvation brings very different people into one family. Our common salvation brings very different people into one family. And so Peter doesn't know what to do. He has now figured out God's telling him God doesn't show favorites, so he doesn't know what to do. So he starts telling all these Romans about Jesus. And he just goes through and he starts preaching about Jesus. He's still in the middle of his sermon about Jesus when something really interesting happens. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising god now wouldn 't it be neat if, in the middle of a sermon god 's spirit worked and the sermon could end yes. thank you thank you wouldn 't that be neat so right in the middle of peter 's sermon, God shows up the Holy Spirit comes upon these Roman Gentiles, and they start speaking in tongues. The exact same thing that had happened on the day of Pentecost when, when the church was formed. And, and they, they, it's the same thing because they used the same words. They heard them praising God. So they're speaking in different languages, praising God. Now, what do you think the, the point of is when, when the Spirit came that they're speaking in different languages and praising God? It's saying it doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter where you're from. He's the God of every person on this planet. Every language. Every person is his. And it's really interesting in verse 45 where it says, The circumcised believers... We're astonished that Gentiles could receive the Spirit. Remember I said uh, Gentiles are often called different things. One of them is circumcised and uncircumcised people, okay? Well, the circumcised believers were astonished that a Gentile might get the Holy Spirit. And so now everybody can't believe what's happening. Well, Peter, the light bulb goes off for the third time. Look, look what happens in uh, of verse 46. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few more days, thus making himself even more unclean than he was before. And so suddenly God has worked. Roman Gentiles have been saved, received the Spirit, and been baptized. And it astonished the good Jewish Christian believers who were there that an unclean person could receive the Spirit. But there isn't a thing in this world as an unclean person. There are only children beloved by God that Jesus died for. You look around this room today, and there are enough differences in this room to divide us for the rest of time. We have people in this room that are Republicans, and we have people in this room that are Democrats. We have people in this room that are highly educated, and people with no education at all. We have people in this room that are older, people in this room that are younger. We have people in this room who cheer for the University of Louisville, and people in this room that cheer for the University of Kentucky. And I've said it before, you get a crowd like this somewhere, there's probably an Indiana fan. Whether we... (laughs) Even if we don't want them to be here, you know, they show up. You know, they, they just show up. You know, it's like a bad penny. They're, they're everywhere. But they got Romeo Langford now, you know, so that, that's good. That's, that's, for, for them, that, that's real good. We could divide ourselves up in a million different ways. We could divide ourselves up by saying there's male people here and there's, there's uh, Ballard people here or something like that. And uh, maybe even an Atherton and no, all that. There's probably no any Atherton people oh there are oh man all right oh okay back off the Atherton people then they're they're everywhere but we can divide ourselves up like that there are conservative Christians in this room and there are people who look at things in a very liberal way when it comes to their faith there are Methodist and Presbyterians and Catholics and Lutherans in a Baptist church right now and we say man How can they be in a Baptist church? But there are Southern Baptists in this room who disagree with each other more than the Lutherans and the Baptists do. And we, Southern Baptists, we divide ourselves up. We don't even get along with other Southern Baptists that that are in the room. So why are we all here together? That's the point I'm trying to make. Why are we all here? We're here for one reason. Because at some point, something happened in your life that changed you. And you saw you couldn't do it on your own. And you gave your life to Jesus Christ. And when you did, the blood of Christ forgave you of all of your sins. And it made you a brother and sister with people that you might disagree with on everything in the world out there. And it brought you into one room. Because here's the fact of the matter. The blood of Jesus binds you together stronger than any difference in this world could ever tear apart. And that's why we come into this room. Such different people. It's a delicate balance. It could explode at any second in the church, and sometimes it does. But what holds us together is a bigger point, a bigger mission, and something that has made us family together. There's a group that's out there uh, that that I'd never heard of until I started reading about them this week. It's called the Tear Fund, T-E-A-R, Tear Fund. And it's a Christian group that intentionally goes to places where people are pulled apart and hate each other, and it tries to bring the areas together. And there was a really interesting story where they had gone into the Central African Republic, where there were two tribes, the country was at civil war, and two tribes that really hated each other. And so they went in, and they found Christians in both tribes. And they brought them together, and they said, okay... We're going to form a soccer team out of both tribes. And at first, both tribes were against it and said, No way, you know, nobody from our tribe is going to your tribe and playing soccer with those people. And two of the players, Lorazzo and Abdullah, were the best two players from each tribe. They were both Christians. And they got them to agree to play on the soccer team. And then something amazing happened as they began to play games. They stopped seeing each other as from this tribe or that tribe. And they started seeing each other as teammates. And then the more they saw each other as teammates, they begin to see each other as people. And these two soccer stars begin to bring their entire tribes together over one thing. We're not different people. We're one. God loves all of us. And then something amazing happened last week when the tribal leaders from each of these tribes got together and basically a big uh, uh, outdoor party was held between the two tribes where they all came together and watched a soccer game. All because people slowly begin to realize the things that divide us are the things that we've created. But what holds us together are the things that God created. We're here today for one main reason. God loved us and forgave us when we didn't deserve it. And it makes you family. And I would challenge you to look around the room today and find somebody you think is a whole lot different than you. And when you do, realize this. They are a child of God creating his image. And there's not going to be one person you're going to see this week anywhere you go, anything you do, that isn't a valued person that Jesus loved and died for. God's given you new eyes, and he's given you a new family. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for giving us this family that we see. I guess sometimes we look around for people that are like us when we need to begin to see everyone as part of us, that everyone in this world is our brother and sister. Everyone in this world is someone valuable. Father, give us new eyes and a new heart. In Jesus' name, amen. We come to uh, this time of invitation, and one of the things I would like for you to do where you are is to really look at what are the, who are the unclean people in your life, and then just ask God to help you begin to work on that. Some of it's stuff that's been ingrained in you since you were a child. And you might believe something in your head, but it's still hard to to work out when you get out in the real world. And just right where you are, start saying, God, help me realize every person in this world is valuable and loved, and start treating people that way. During this time, you can do a lot of things. You can come pray at this altar about needs or concerns that you have. You can come and say, I want to join this church and be a part of what this church is doing. And the most important thing is to do exactly what Cornelius and his friends did. And that is accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, follow him in baptism, and your whole life is going to be different because of it. God will give you a brand new family. Wouldn't it be nice to walk into a room, and instead of trying to find somebody like you that you can go escape with, to walk into a room and think, everybody here is special. Everybody here is created in God's image. Everybody here is my brother and sister. That's what God's offering you today. Let's stand together as we sing.
3: So, you all know we announced uh, on Easter that we were going to host a class called Start Here. And I'll invite all our participants who um, completed Start Here and will be joining the church. You can join me right up uh, on the front with me. Uh, It was a great opportunity. You know, one of the feedback we hear from um, people who join the church one, our building's intimidating. They only know the front door to the sanctuary, and beyond that, it can get confusing. It still gets confusing for me, and I've been here almost four years. But over this three-week time, we had the chance really to talk about what does it mean to be a member at Westport Road Baptist Church. And one of the things we feel that God has called us is to participate in worship, to be involved in a community, a small group, whether it's on Sunday mornings or during the week and then to use our gifts uh, for the purposes of, the, of advancing the kingdom of God. And so I was really blessed. Uh, we touched with about people who either had just recently joined or uh, were inquiring and in our new members. And we have 19 people that came through that process, 10 of whom are joining. And so I just want to introduce um, to you uh, Sasha and Joe Pavoni. And Larry's got your uh, certificate here. Donna and Christopher McNear are in the second service, weren't able to attend uh, today. But Joyce Slife... We also have William and Kim Miracle, and I'll tell you three other, Andy and Mad Sutherland weren't able to, to join us this morning as well, or Patty Sherrock, um, but that's what let's, we'll, at the end of the service, we'll make our way and welcome them, but this is uh, 10 new members that are joining our church through that, and uh, to say, we're really glad that God has um, brought you here, and uh, God's brought each of us here over that purpose is, and to be a part of God's family. We know God has good plans for you, so I want to offer a little prayer blessing as we uh, close this service. God, we thank you for your goodness that you brought each of us from different places, some from neighbors inviting, some from people who drove by the street, some from just were in the neighborhood and saw our website and and came in. We thank you that you brought them from different places, but we thank you that you brought them to join our church and be a part of that. I pray that this would be a life-giving community where they would experience the love and power of Jesus Christ And that, God, you would empower them through your Holy Spirit to use their gifts to see your kingdom come more fully to this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you go in peace, go and serve the Lord. Welcome our new members.
0: today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Keyword mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30am or 11am.